Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. So how are you doing? Apparently I'm losing it. So uh, <laughs> so it's really important. Somebody gave this to me today. Can you see what it is? It's a little Jesus. Because everybody needs a little Jesus. So. <laughs> yeah, hidden around the church. Yeah. So uh, we're in this series on Dream to Destiny, and I've got uh, a few minutes. So, uh, you know, there's no cowboy game or anything today, so I can go to 2 or 3 o'clock. It doesn't matter, right? All right. So we're in uh, these tests, Dream to Destiny, passing the prison test, number five. This is five out of ten in this series. And Genesis chapter 39, verse 11. Now this is kind of, you know, we're continuing this story, the life of Joseph. Now it happened one day as he went to the house to do his work and None of the men in the household was there. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. And when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and I screamed. And when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in me to make sport of me, and, and as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now when the master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, this is what the, your slave did to me, his anger burned, so Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail, but the Lord was with Joseph. And extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, was he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. So the prison test is the test of perseverance. And you know, a lot of us, we would question, like we did when he was thrown in the pit, and he was, first of all, in Potiphar's house, and it says he prospered in Potiphar's house. You think, how can you be prospering when you're a slave, when you're in a bad situation? How can you define that as prospering? So here he's persevering. He's in this process. He's, he's been sold into slavery. He was in Potiphar's house. Now he's, she's lied about him. And because she's lied about him, now he's, he's been put into prison. He's in a worse situation than he was as a servant. Now he's in a prison, and he's suffering. He's done the right thing, and he's suffering for it. So, does this ever happen? <laughs> well, yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, what are you going to do when people lie about you? Because that was one of the kind of the surprises in ministry that I didn't know was going to happen. They didn't really prepare me for in Bible school. Uh, you know, I didn't understand that when people got mad at me and left the church for various reasons, that then they were going to say things that I thought, where did they get that? So 
and it happens in jobs. It happens everywhere. It doesn't just happen, you know, in ministry. It happens in all kinds of situations with family and people. Uh, so the, the challenge is, will you continue to do the right thing even when things don't change? Because a lot of times we'll do something for a period of time if we think it will produce the result of getting us out of the situation. But what if you do the right thing <clears throat> and it's still doesn't produce the end result that you want. If you remember what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, the purpose of the test, this is a test. What's the difference between a temptation and a test? God tests us, Satan tempts us. A temptation, the purpose of a temptation is to destroy you, cause you to sin, cause you to mess up your life. The purpose of a test is to make you stronger, to prepare you. It's different between, you know, Kind of the difference between going to the gym and going to the cafeteria. You know, one's a temptation, one's a test. When you go to the gym, if you do everything you're supposed to do in the gym, you get stronger. And you can get stronger in the cafeteria, but you know. We'll just use that for an analogy right now, okay. So the purpose of the test is to prepare us for the promise. So Paul says in Romans, in relationship to this, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And not only this, so he's talking about what it means to be justified in Christ, the value of knowing Christ and being justified in Christ in the first couple of verses. Then he says, and not only this, but also we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. So tribulation has a result. It brings about perseverance. And perseverance has a result. It brings about, it produces, it cultivates proven character. And proven character has a result. It cultivates hope. And hope has a result that hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So there's this progression. So he says, first of all, when you're in a situation that's a difficult situation that's not changing the way you want it to change, he says the first thing to do is to exult in it. And that's not a word that you and I use regularly in our vocabulary. A lot of the other translations use the word rejoice. So we rejoice in our Tribulations. How do we rejoice in tribulations? Number one, first of all, he says tribulation produces perseverance. And we know this. We exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Tribulation means, the word tribulation means an oppressive state of physical, mental, physical, or economic adversity. So it's pretty much all of us. So here Joseph is in the midst of this situation, and he does the right thing. He honors God. He doesn't sin, and still he went to prison. So he's suffering. He has tribulation. He has an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity because he's done the right thing. So that doesn't seem fair, does it? But the reality is, here's the reality. Life is full of trouble. I've noticed if you're breathing, you will have trouble. Jesus said this. He said these things, John 16, 33, these things, he's talking to them about the word, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. So he says, I want you to have peace. He said, but I want you to know this. In the world, you have tribulation. He didn't say you're going to have tribulation. You might have tribulation. He said, you're in the world. 
It's going to happen. You got it. But take courage. I've overcome the world. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way. In James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let the endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So he's kind of said the same thing that Paul has said. So afflictions can cause us to persevere. It can cause us to be strengthened, to, be, to become stronger. Afflictions can cause us to become stronger. So does all affliction automatically produce perseverance? No. Because there are a lot of people who have been oppressed physically or oppressed mentally or socially or economically, and it doesn't produce perseverance. There are plenty of people who've been through affliction and they're not persevering in their affliction. A good example, children of Israel, a good example of that is every time they got in trouble, God delivers them from Egypt, even in the process of being delivered. I mean, if you, you know, how God is taking them out of Egypt, out with what we call the Exodus, from the very beginning, when, when, when they begin to face a little bit of difficulty, what do they do? They begin to complain. And they complain the whole time. They complained so much that God said, I'm taking them out. I'm going to raise up another generation after them because they were not willing. They grumbled and complained and were not willing to go into the promised land. And they didn't trust God. And so they didn't enter into, as the Bible calls it, they didn't enter into God's rest. It doesn't automatically produce it. So how do you produce when you're in tribulation? How do you move and produce steadfastness and perseverance. Well, there's a couple of things. He said it early. What do you do? You rejoice in it. You're joyful in it. Not joyful because of it, but joyful in it. If you're only going to praise God when you don't have any problems, you're not going to praise God very much. It's praising God in the midst of whatever's going on, thankful to God. God doesn't have to cause what's going on in your life to use what's going on in your life. See, God's big enough to use, I don't know, even sometimes when we cause it. Have you ever done anything stupid? <laughs> and then you have, then there are consequences and God, although God doesn't cause it, he's not going to waste it. He's, he's going to use it to help you move in progress to persevere. So the right response is to rejoice in it. And the second right response is to believe that in the midst of these difficulties that God is working for my good. God's on my side. He's not against me. He's not trying to kill me. You know, that's what the Egyptians, that's what the Israel, children of Israel out in the desert. Oh, God, you brought us out here to kill us. You, that was always their reply. God, why, why did you bring us out here to kill us? Sometimes it's like, why, God, why? Why are you doing this? Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, so that we can persevere Steadfast endurance, the power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude necessary. 
But perseverance doesn't come in a week. It often takes a while for Joseph from the time that his brothers, his loving family, threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. From the time that his loving family sold him into slavery to the time that he became the second man in Pharaoh's court was a period of 13 years. From 17 to 30. That's a long time, isn't it? When David was called by Samuel, Samuel went to his house and anointed him with oil. He was the youngest of the sons of Jesse. And he anointed him to be king. From the time that David was anointed to be king by Samuel to the time that he became king was 13 years. When Paul was knocked down on the road to Damascus as he was going there to take letters to put Christians in prison and he encountered the living Christ and Jesus said, I'm calling you to the Gentiles. And Paul said, okay, uh, I guess. Uh, And he did it. And then from the time that God calls him, Jesus calls him, to the time he goes into his first missionary journey is 13 years. For Abraham, it was 25 years from the time that he got the promise to the time that he had a child. For Moses, it was 40 years out in the wilderness from the time that he left Egypt running for his life till God called him in a burning bush. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than we think it's going to take. What's incredible about this is that Joseph has been lied about by, you know, his, he's been thrown into prison, then he's been, then he's sold into slavery, then he's been lied about, and, and he's not bitter. He's persevering. He's, it's, it's doing a good work in him. He's, he's, He's going to, at 30, he's going to be more mature than he was at 17. God is working some stuff out in him, and that's what God does. He works stuff out in him. And we can see that because he continues to excel in his job. He continues to find favor. He's not doing a bad job because, well, I shouldn't have to do this because I don't deserve to be a slave. No, he continues to excel, and God gives him favor. And then when he has opportunity, when the when the king's cupbearer and the king's baker are thrown into prison and they both have dreams, Joseph interprets those dreams for them. He ministers to them in prison. So we see his heart. So adversity, trouble, philipsis, it's kind of the word that is used for labor pains, can bring about perseverance, and then perseverance produces character. Perseverance produces, it cultivates character. Character means dependability, the quality of being reliable. So so why do we need to go through long and difficult trials? Because they produce character. And then character, if we have character, character enables us to step into the fulfillment of our destiny. At 17, when he was a smart aleck, 17-year-old, prideful, he wasn't ready for the destiny that God was calling him to at 30. There were things that God needed to work out of his character and work into him. And so a lot of times what God is doing, we're going through stuff. It's not always stuff we cause. Sometimes we cause it. Sometimes we do stupid stuff. Sometimes other things are, are done to us. 
And so we, are, we work through those things, and that produces within us, as we work through those things, character. See, the worst thing you can do for somebody is to promote somebody before they're ready or deliver somebody out of a trial that God is using to build their character. Sometimes we want to save people, and by saving them, we actually don't help them. And as parents, this is an important lesson for us to learn because none of us want our children to suffer But often, they must suffer the consequences of their actions to develop the character they need to develop for the next thing. And and every there's we have quite a few teachers in here, and every teacher will tell you today that when a kid messes up, it's the school's fault. Right, principal? I mean, it, so if we do that, if, if, we, if we try to save our children from every consequence, I, I had a, we had a very gifted, many years ago, had a, had a very gifted young man in football. And he excelled in every grade. And he eventually was able to get a scholarship. But he was a teenager. And he would sometimes get in trouble. And because don't teenagers do that? The problem wasn't that he got in trouble because teenagers will sometimes get in trouble. They don't have to. I'm not telling you teenagers that you have to get in trouble. You don't have to be like Joe. You don't have to get in trouble. But sometimes teenagers, because your brain's not fully developed, our brains aren't fully developed, they tell us. And so we make rash decisions. And so he, he, would, he would get in trouble. Anytime he did, the parents would react by blaming the person who caught him. They would get upset at the punishment, the way he was, the way he was reprimanded, the way he was, you know, because he got caught. So it, was, it always ended up being not his fault. Now, the end result in this kid's life is it didn't play out well because when he faced difficulties, he was not prepared for the challenges of life. Sometimes as parents, we do this. Sometimes as parents, we've done stupid things and we've seen the results of those stupid things and desire to save our children from their mistakes. I'm not saying that we can't be with them and encourage them and help them, but a lot of times we ha- they have to suffer the consequences so that they learn. Because if we rescue them, they don't learn. Really quiet in here right now. So, so, we don't want to rescue someone before it's time. We don't want to deliver someone out of a trial when God's working to build their character in the trial. Tribulation is the main thing that God uses to build character. And it's also done by, you know, it's not the only thing. You, trial is not the only way you can learn to persevere. You can also learn to persevere by the word of God. You can learn the Word of God and let the Word of God change you 
and you can yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So the Word of God and the Holy Spirit can also produce character. Because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit will confront you about areas where your character is not showing the character of Christ. So God is conforming you to the image of Christ. Joseph was a great man. He had apparently had a lot of great natural talent and ability in the way of organization, and God used him and prospered that and blessed that. But I think there was a mistake that he made, and I think it's important because it's a mistake that we all make. So Genesis chapter 40, he, the, the cupbearer and the baker are cast into prison by Pharaoh, and they have dreams, and Joseph interprets the dream for them. And he says to the cupbearer, your dream, the interpretation of your dream, in three days, you're going to be lifted back up to your previous position. And then, so, then the baker's like, that's great, that's great. What's my dream? He says, well, in three days, you're going to have your head lifted off of you. Okay? So, you know, not as good an interpretation of your dream there. Uh, so then Joseph says to the cupbearer that's going to live, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even where I have done nothing that they should have, and even here I've done nothing that should have put me in the dungeon. Then Genesis 40 says, then the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I believe that he could have been released right then, but he did something that you and I both try to do. We try to manipulate the situation. We try to tell God how to solve our problem. You've never done that, right? You've never like laid it all out. Now, God, if you'll have the check come in by next Tuesday... And it'll clear the bank in three days, and I can get this paid by Friday, and everything's going to be good. So whatever the, you know, we're good at figuring out for God how to solve the problem. Now, what I have learned is that when you do that, God laughs. Because that's not the way he's going to do it. He's not going to do it in a way where it looks like you figured out a way to manipulate the circumstances. God doesn't work through manipulation. He works through faith and trust and his word and through perseverance. He, he, works for, he works through hard work, but he doesn't work through manipulation. So I think Joseph could have been delivered, but you even think about it. So go to the king. You know, so this is a guy who just escaped having his head chopped off. Okay? And Joseph says to him, hey, would you go talk to Pharaoh and tell him that his, one of his number one guys, his his keeper of the guard, the guy who protects him, that he's done a wrong thing, that I shouldn't have been thrown in prison. Go tell, hey, go tell him that. And I'm sure the cupbearer's thinking like, hey, no way. I'm going to go in front of Pharaoh. I just barely escaped by not having my head chopped off. You know, but, and even, even for Joseph to think that that sounded reasonable, that go tell them to be, see if you can convince Pharaoh that this Hebrew slave, this foreigner, he got put in prison unjustly by someone that you value in your kingdom. 
He's like, there's no chance of that working. But in, in Joseph's mind, it made perfect sense. This will work. This will work. God, God, this will work. I can be out of here in a couple of days. You see, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan wasn't for him to be out of there. See, his plan is, get me out of here. Right? There's a small, I mean, that, see, God had a bigger dream than just get him out of there. God wanted to use him to fulfill the salvation of the world at that time. He was going to save people by his behavior, by putting, putting the seven years of plenty back for the seven years of famine. He was going to prepare all of that area for the famine. God had a plan to re- preserve his people. And so <laughs> it wasn't going to work. I think we have to be careful about manipulating we say, God, would you do it this way? And God says, no, not yet. And now I realize there's some more stuff to work out in you. It was God who gave Pharaoh the dream, and he could have given to him in three days. He, it, could have, it could have happened immediately if maybe Joseph had kept his mouth shut. <laughs> if maybe Joseph had waited. Okay. Character produces hope. Romans 5, 4, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God's been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Hebrews 6, 19 says, hope is an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast that one who enters within the veil where Jesus is entered is a forerunner for us, having become a high priest for us forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And when we use the word hope, the English word hope doesn't carry the weight that that Hebrew and Greek words use for hope. Because when we think of hope, what do we think? It's, it's almost like a wish. You know, I, I hope you get better. You probably won't, but I hope you do. Or I hope it works out. I hope, I hope that works out for you. You know, I, I, you really did some stupid stuff, and I hope it works out. Whatever. I mean, hope, hope doesn't have much strength. But that's not what the Bible says hope. The Bible says that hope is an anchor for the soul. That hope is different. It's, it's something that holds us. It, it anchors us. Hope is the anchor for the soul. And it says that it's anchored within the veil. Which is like, so it's, a, it's anchored in heaven. So he's saying we have a hope that's anchored in, the he, in heaven that Jesus is placed there within the veil. We have this hope in heaven within the veil. And in the veil is where Jesus offered his blood as the final, perfect, complete sacrifice. So our hope is in, our hope is finally and completely in the finished and complete work of Christ on the cross. Our hope is in what Jesus did for us. He completed for us. That's our hope. And it's secure. It's steadfast. It's complete. He did it. Our hope is in the finished work of Christ. So we, 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 we rejoice in that. So, so there's, a, there's a sailing term that's called kedging. So when they would kedge a boat, so, you know, the boat of those days, they either rode them, they were rowboats or sailboats. <clears throat> and when they got in a difficult situation, maybe they were going through a reef or they were in a storm and they weren't making progress, they would put the anchor in a rowboat. <coughs> 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 
excuse me. This rowing is getting to me. They put the anchor in a rowboat. Man, this is not my day. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. They would still, they would put an anchor in a rowboat, and they would row it out as far as they could, and then they'd drop the anchor and set the anchor. Then they could pull the boat to the anchor. And then they'd do it again, raise the anchor, put it in a boat, take the boat as far as they could, drop the anchor, and they could pull the boat through difficult places. And so Jesus is our anchor. <laughs> our hope, is it's an anchor for our soul. It's steadfast. It's, so he's pulling us. And where is it set? He's pulling us. So we're going through difficult waters. What's he doing? He's pulling us to heaven. It's steadfast. It's sure. It's not moving. It's immovable. It's based on his nature and his character. He's just pulling us. He's pulling our hope. So it's not this, well, I hope. It's like, I have a hope. I know. Because that hope doesn't disappoint. I'm anchored in the complete work of Christ, in the finished work of Christ. And it means something. Something happens that because of that, it doesn't disappoint. And the reason it doesn't disappoint, because the love of God's been poured out within our hearts of the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God, by the Holy Spirit, pours out his love into our hearts so that in the middle of tribulations, middle of difficulties, we experience the love of God poured out in our hearts. Now, this is interesting. So we have somebody who's agreeing with me over here. Thank you, David. Uh, David and Pat have just been through, Pat has been through great, great physical difficulty. And the Lord's got her back here. Thank you, Lord. And this room is filled with people who have gone through stuff and are going through stuff. Because in the world you'll have trouble. And here's what they will tell you. And here's what I've learned. That when you go through stuff, the tribulation, when your perspective is right in God and you're anchored in Christ, the result is that you experience the love of God in a different dimension because of the trouble. The trouble, as you persevere in trouble, the trouble creates hope, and the hope creates a greater realization of the love of Christ so that you, so that you emerge from it, so you go through cancer, We've had people that have gone through cancer, and we've had people who didn't get through cancer. We've had people who have survived the treatment and the chemo and have made it through cancer and have been healthy for years, and we have people who died in the middle of the treatments. And the testimony is the same for both. That they experienced 
the love of God in a dimension that they'd never experienced before, that they had hope. Their hope wasn't here. Their hope wasn't in just healing. Their hope was beyond the veil. Their hope was in heaven. There was something settled and secure and valuable because they, they know they're experiencing what we're going to experience fully. They began to experience the fullness of the love of Christ. That we know that we're loved and we believe that we're loved and we, we can stand in the midst of turmoil. So Joseph is able to stand in the midst of a bad situation and say, this is not where I want to be. This is not where I deserve to be. But I, I've put my trust in God. And in that, in that trusting and rejoicing, we experience the reality. We've, we've, it's not all about feeling, but we know it and believe it. It's a truth. We know that from the Word of God, but it, it's beyond that. It's beyond that. It's the, it's the Spirit of God letting us know and assuring us of the love of God. And it carries us. It carries us through difficult times. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So two things I want you to think about. When you have troubles... There's really two responses. One's complain, and another's trust God. It's easy to complain. It's very tempting to complain. I'm a great complainer. I've failed so many times. When, when I was in difficult days, my first response was to complain. But one of the things the Lord is always teaching us to trust him more to trust him more so maybe that's your prayer today is Lord I want you to help me change my complaining to trust and the second thing is is the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you he wants you to understand with all the saints the height the depth the length and the breadth of the love of Christ, which is beyond comprehension, beyond knowledge. He wants you to get it. He wants you to understand it. That you may, with all the saints, Paul told the Ephesians, comprehend the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of the love of Christ, which surpasses your ability to know it. And God wants you to, to know and experience and believe and be comforted and be encouraged and be made steadfast by the love of Christ you would know that he loves you and know that he's for you. Know that he's working on your behalf. That he loves you. He's got a great future plan for you. So Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today and it's, it's not easy to rejoice in troubles. That's not my tendency, Lord. My tendency is to complain and bellyache in troubles. But, Lord, it's, it's when I put my trust in you, when I, I turn my focus from me to you, it is there, there 
that in the midst of that trouble that you develop perseverance within me and character within me and then hope within me and then that assurance of the love of God within me. You do a work within me as I turn from myself and my thoughts and my manipulations and I turn to you where my, my hope is anchored in the complete and perfect work of Christ. You did it for me that hope within the veil in Jesus name amen thank you I love you we'll be up here praying if anybody needs prayer about anything I love you have a great day thank you this has been the Life Community Church podcast thank you for listening